Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and every week we gather together and we look back, not for the sake of regret, not for the sake of, man, I wish I had done that different, but for the sake of, look at how I've been shaped. Look at what has chipped away at me. Look what has grown me. And now let's share those stories with each other. Let's use it to equip those who are coming behind us, who are just a little bit further behind us and are maybe going to face or are facing something that they just feel completely alone in. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's why you push play and you feel alone in the season you're in. Let me just remind you with all the confidence, you're not alone in it. Whatever it is, you're not alone in it. Someone else has walked through it too. Someone is ahead of you. So that is what we gather. We gather those experiences and we share them so that you feel a little less alone. I was maybe six or seven, and we were on a family trip to Kings Island, a theme park in Ohio. My older brothers, my parents, my grandparents, and I'm pretty sure an uncle made up the group navigating through the dense crowds, all of us just sweating in unison under this intense July sun. There was a game booth set off to the side and had this loud caller inviting those slowly trying to get through to the next roller coaster to just stop off and try their luck at this glorified ring toss. Well, I was sold. And immediately, I tried to get a better view. I pushed my way over as close as I could get and watched person after person toss these small yellow rings toward rows of glass Coke bottles, just trying to land it just so, making it loop around the neck of the bottle. Apparently, my entertainment threshold was very low because I could not get enough of this. The anticipation of it all leaning in with every toss until eventually someone did it. They got a ring around the bottle and a giant stuffed gorilla to sweat on as they carried it around the park the rest of the day. Well, I jumped up and down. I wanted this person to feel celebrated. I turned around to tell my mom and no one was there. All I saw was people milling around holding their 64 ounce slushies coming and going in front of me. My entire family, every one of them had come and gone without me. I stood looking around, scanning faces, looking for a blonde perm and jean shorts, my mom's go-to look in the 90s, nowhere. They were nowhere that I could see. Okay, I'd gathered enough from Scruff McGruff and Dare to piece together a plan for this exact moment. If you're lost, you don't move. You stay where you are. So I took that in the most literal sense, standing frozen in the middle of the main thoroughfare. I looked panicked enough because eventually a young couple stopped and they bent down to talk to me. Her pleated khaki shorts with this King Island t-shirt tucked in came into view as she got down on eye level with me. Are you lost? Do you know where your mom is? She asked. I'm not sure what I said. Something along the lines of they were just here behind me and I turned around and then they were all gone and I don't know where they went. And probably add a few more words to that because it's my most ingrained trait to overshare when I'm nervous. This young ones was a time before the cell phone. There was no way to call my mom quickly to tell her she had abandoned a child at the ring toss. I'm sorry, mom, maybe abandon is too strong of a word there. But the man did what we all had to do in the olden days. He asked for a description so he could walk around and look for her. I told him what I knew, which was zero help because 60% of the women there walking around, they had blonde perms and jean shorts too. But he journeyed on yelling for Carol through all the crowds. Now, the lady set me up on a trash can, which I still think was an odd choice, but who am I to judge at this point? And she handed me a red slushie to drink. 
Now, Scruff McGruff and Dare be darned, I was for sure taking that slushy from a stranger and just chugging it down. See, here's the deal. When you're a chubby kid from like a middle class family and you don't spend frivolously on like anything, especially not slushies at a theme park, you take what you can get. And I took that slushy and it that was like the only highlight of the moment. And I'm not sure how long I sat there. Eventually, Carol and crew, they made their way back and they found me on the trash can sporting red lips. She was clearly as panicked as I was, grabbing hold of me and thanking our slushy-laden Good Samaritan over and over. My brothers, on the other hand, they could only offer up a, did we really have to come back and find her? Lots of love. I mean, that's a direct quote, friends. So we, <laughs> we clearly loved each other as kids. But it's the first and one of the only times I have felt truly lost and useless to do anything about it. All because I wanted a better view. I pushed and maneuvered my way to where I wanted to be. And once there, it was nothing I wanted. The moments of anticipation, the moments of delight and fullness were there and then gone. Just like that. And I was left with maybe a better view, but definitely a bigger hole. There's a man in the Bible, his name David, who is described as a man after God's own heart. He was king of Israel, anointed to be that somewhere around the age of 10 to 15, but he didn't actually become king until he was 30. I think about that a lot. I mean, you're told you will be king, and so every door that opens around every corner, you're thinking, is this it? Is, is it my go now? And the only way to decipher between your own pursuit and God's promise is to be after God's own heart. Those 15 to 20 years waiting in the wings David had multiple opportunities to take the crown, many of which those closest to him encouraged him to do. In 1 Samuel 24, after running for his life from the current King Saul, David is hiding in a cave with the men who know him best, who are there to protect him. They hear something toward the front of the cave. It's Saul. He's coming in to use the bathroom, the most vulnerable position you can be in. Now's your opportunity David's men whispered to him, Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward, and he cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him, because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men, and he didn't let them kill Saul. See that? David had a chance at a better view, and his friends were telling him what God clearly wanted him to do. And can I just say on the side, like just step away for a minute and just say this one thing. Be cautious when others, even those who love you most, are trying to tell you how and what God is speaking to you. Only you can know that. David could have taken what was his taken what he wanted. But why take when God so freely and graciously gives? David knew what God had promised, and he knew the character of God because he knew the heart of God. The stirring in David's heart after cutting Saul's robe, that is fruit of a life spent in pursuit of God. It's difficult to know God's ways if we're trying to make our own way. When we push and pull and maneuver ourselves to, to a better view, the view we've decided we deserve, 
all we end up seeing is vacantness and emptiness. What God gives us is better than anything we can take. Cultivating a heart in tune with his stirrings, with his nudges, grows a life of contentment with the view right in front of you. Years later, David will find himself in a cave again, running for his life. His son is ready to take the crown for himself, and the only way for that to happen is to kill whoever the current king is. And it's in this cave that David writes Psalm 4. Answer me when I call to you, O God, who declares me innocent. Free me from my troubles. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people ruin my reputation? How long will you make groundless accusations? How long will you continue your lies? You can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust the Lord. Many people say, who will show us better times? Lord, let your face smile on us. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvest of grain and new wine. In peace, I will lay down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. His son is chasing after him, preparing to kill him. And David writes about the greater joy God has given him. He writes about the peace he will lay down in. He lays his request before God and he says, God, I know you hear me. Here is my pain, my trouble. Now I'm leaving it to you. Take it from here. I'm going to rest. That is a life worth pursuing. Pursue his promises, trust his character, get to know his heart. The better view is not in looking ahead. The better view is in looking up, right where you are. It's in opening your hands and saying, God, I know you hear me. Here are my fears, my worries, my dreams. Here is my heart. Now I'm leaving it to you. Take it from here. I am going to rest. I'll leave you with the words of Jesus, paraphrased in the message, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly.